It was Halloween in Broomfield Township in Michigan. Leaves were falling, children were filling the streets to start the night's festivities, and a local pastor was committing an unthinkable act. I'm Jennifer Blades, and this is a special Halloween edition of The Unanswered Podcast. The little village of Lake Isabella, Michigan, was split between Sherman Township and Broomfield Township. This community is a mix of suburban rural life with growing families, young professionals, and retirees. It was Halloween in 2012 when 24-year-old Rebecca Gay, who was known as the heart and soul of her family, suddenly disappeared. Police scoured Isabella County looking for her while her mother, Sally, and soon-to-be stepdad, John D. White, were getting worried. John, an ex-Navy man and one-time long-haul trucker, met Sally in a trailer park 11 miles west of Mount Pleasant, and they got engaged. John was an ex-con that served more than 12 years in prison and was released in 2007. John became a pastor at the Christ Community Fellowship in Mount Pleasant. By all accounts, it appeared that John had turned his life around. He found God and a wonderful woman and was passionate about his role in the church. John once said to the fellowship, quote, we need to check closely the seeds we sprout in ourselves. Nothing can be hidden from God, End quote. And boy, was John right. Not only would God know the truth about him, but so would the whole community. John had a troubling past that included attacking a teenage girl stabbing her 15 times and choking her. The girl miraculously survived the brutal attack and John was arrested. He was sent to prison, but he appealed the case on the grounds that his attorney did not raise an insanity defense. And listeners, he won the appeal. He was released from prison after only serving two years and was given two years of probation and mandatory mental health treatment. However, this didn't stop John from committing another heinous crime. He met a young woman named Vicky while working at a textile company and began an affair with her. At the time, John was married with two children and a baby on the way. Vicky was last seen on surveillance video from a grocery store parking lot. It showed her getting into a black pickup truck with a bearded man at 3 a.m. This was the last time anyone ever saw Vicky alive. John was questioned by police, and although he admitted to the affair, he stated that he had dropped Vicky off safely. Police had their doubts about John's story, but without any real evidence or a body, they had nothing to charge him with. Eventually, Vicky's body was found dumped in a rural area roughly two miles from the grocery store where she was last seen. Due to her body being so badly decomposed, police couldn't determine her cause of death. She was found naked except for a shirt and a bra wrapped around her neck. John didn't want to take a lie detector test, but a luminol test revealed traces of blood in his truck in several areas, but the evidence was limited. Surprisingly, John agreed to plead no contest to involuntary manslaughter and received an eight to 15 year sentence. While being locked up, John told a prison psychologist that he had violent fantasies about wanting to kill women and have sex with their dead bodies. As I stated earlier, 
John was released from prison in 2007 and made his way to Mount Pleasant, where he met Sally. She welcomed him to her family, and John even helped with Sally's grandson, Conway. Sadly, the trust that the family had given to John would be destroyed forever. That Halloween in 2012 would be the last for Sally's daughter, Rebecca. After drinking beers early in the morning on that Halloween day, John walked to the home of Rebecca Gay, who also lived in the same trailer park as John and Sally. He entered the house, attacking Rebecca with a rubber mallet repeatedly over the head until she was unconscious. John then took a zip tie and placed it around Rebecca's neck, where he proceeded to strangle her to death, all while Rebecca's son sat in the next room. John then took Rebecca's body and left her in a ditch behind some pine trees about a half a mile from the trailer park. John then returned to Rebecca's trailer and cared for her son. He even got him dressed in his Halloween costume and dropped him off to his father in a grocery store parking lot. Rebecca's co-workers became worried when she failed to show up for work that day, so they called the police and reported her missing. Police went looking for Rebecca, and John asked members of his church to pray for her, knowing that he just took her life hours before. When police questioned John, he told them that Rebecca's murder was incited by watching pornographic videos that showed necrophilia, which, if you remember, was something John was interested in. However, he said that he couldn't remember if he had sex with Rebecca's dead body or not, even though he did remove all of her clothes. In April 2013, Isabella County Chief Circuit Judge Paul Chamberlain sentenced John D. White to 56 years in prison. But John would only serve four months of that sentence because on August 28th, he was found hanging from a cell. He was 56 years old. And although he's gone, his unthinkable crimes would last a lifetime for his victims and their families. Rebecca was a beautiful 24-year-old woman and mother that died at the hands of a sick and twisted criminal that should have never been allowed to walk freely after the previous crimes that he committed. Halloween will now take on a new and painful memory for this family. And now, the trick-or-treat shooting. Many of us have fond memories of Halloween's past, meeting up with other neighborhood kids to map out a plan of which house to hit up first because they gave out the best candy. But for Teresa Trueblood, Halloween in 1982 was one that she will never forget because as soon as she left her grandparents' house as they handed out candy, the terror began. Marvin Brandland, a former military man turned businessman, and his beloved wife of 46 years, Ethel, were handing out candy to eager children at their home in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Ethel opened the door, thinking it was a trick-or-treater, but she was met by a man wearing a pillowcase with two eye holes cut out. Ethel assumed the man wanted candy when he said, Trick-or-treat. Give me your money or I'll shoot. Ethel thought that this was a prank and tried to remove the pillowcase, but he clutched it and pulled it down. Ethel turned to get the candy, and the man followed her inside the house and pulled a gun on her and Marvin. He ushered them down to the basement, where they had a safe that, as far as they knew, only family was aware of. On the way to the basement, they stopped in the kitchen 
where Marvin refused to go any further because he too felt that it was a prank. Marvin reached for the gun and the man shot him in the throat. The unknown shooter took off the pillowcase and threw it on the floor as he fled the scene. Marvin was rushed to a local hospital, but because of his injuries, he was airlifted to a hospital in Des Moines, Iowa, which is almost 100 miles away. Sadly, Marvin died on the operating table early in the morning on October 31, 1982. Ethel was left not knowing who did this to her husband, and it was too much for her to bear. Shortly after Marvin's murder, Ethel passed away. Her family believes that she died of a broken heart. With no real evidence left at the scene and no suspects to speak of, the case went cold. However, the family believes they know who the killer is, an acquaintance of the family who they said was bragging about the murder after it happened. Ethel was able to give the police a description of the man, stating that he had blondish hair and blue eyes and was about 5'8 and between 16 and 20 years old. With this description and who the family believed was responsible, they had a suspect, but there wasn't enough evidence to make an arrest. However, they still had that pillowcase after all these years, but it was sent in for testing and unfortunately there wasn't enough material for a DNA hit. The family is still pursuing the case, even though they are in fear of the shooter. They fear that he will come after them. Their granddaughter Teresa stated, Quote, and Grandma always lived in fear, but I know that they would want it solved. They'd want us safe. We owe it to them. End quote. If you have any information about Marvin's unsolved murder, please contact the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation at 515-725-6010. Thank you for listening to this special Halloween edition of the Unanswered Podcast. Join me in January 2023 for Season 2 of the Unanswered Podcast, Cold as Ice, where I talk about cases that have gone cold and could use your help to get justice for the victims and their families. Don't forget to subscribe to the Unanswered Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Rate and review and tell a friend. It helps the podcast grow. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Unanswered Podcast to get the latest updates and new episode dates. Thank you for listening.